Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the I Am A Champion show. Uh, today's episode, we're going to go with the people that were actually there at the very popular speech on YouTube, Jonathan. Uh, the I Am A Champion, I Was There episode. So Jonathan, tell us a little more about uh, today's episode and the guys we have on today. So it's really good. I mean, everybody's, a lot of people have seen, I should say, everybody's seen the speech and it's gone really viral and I've been very humbled and proud about it. Um, fortunately, I have three players that are like, they're still like family to me. I still, I've been invited to their weddings. I know them when they've gotten married. They've come to my son's celebration of life. They're still family, still live in the area. So I have three guys that are really, really important. Um, Vinny Gimetti, Shane Pizzo, and Matt Hebert. Um, all these guys played for me. I've known them since they were little kids. Two of them played with my son, David, when he was in Pop Warner. So it's just really great to get, reconnect with them, um, especially Vinny. Vin, and I'll, I'll get more into who Vinny is because Vinny is probably the most significant to this speech happening. So let's, I would love, let's get him on board and let's talk to him. All right, let's go. All right, we have Matt, Shane, and Vinny on the show. Good morning, fellas. How are we doing today? Doing great. great. Thanks for having us on. Morning. Yeah. Uh, we'll start off with Vinny, since apparently you're the most important one. Let's go back to the background of this. How did you become the most important influence of this speech here? Well, see, I probably I've known Coach since I was like, geez, what Coach? Like seven, eight years old now. So yeah, uh, yeah we go way back. So yeah, Vinny and I. Um, Vinny played pop one. I think it was Mighty Mites actually with my son David. And so did yeah. Shane and I coached with their dads and stuff, got to know them and stuff. And they became like family. And then, so I moved out in the area. Um, but so people who don't know about that with this, when the speech was happening, the night I was um, ready to make that speech, my dad had passed away that week. So I was having a really rough day at practice and Vinny kind of understood or sensed it. And I was having a really rough night. And Jason, you and I know how this goes. We've had this conversation at nauseum. And I was just asking, like, either I was praying or thinking, like, you know, universe, God, whatever, however people feel about it, can you give me a sign? And Vinny happened to call me and ask what was going on because he thought maybe I was mad at the players or just bad at school or something. But he didn't know the whole story. So finally, I kind of let it all out. And a couple of guys like Benny, um, Lemus, and a couple of guys came over to house, Brandon and all. And we just talked it through. Right after that, I happened to be watching The Last of the Mohicans on TV. And I started writing some stuff down. And it just seemed to be flowing with the speech. Or the music was influencing the speech. I don't know yet. But I just wrote it all down. And I said, I need to have something to pull me out of this. And I want to talk to the guys about it. So I went the next day to go to the, to the stadium. I got there early. talked to some of the dads. and said, look, I need some time with your kids a little extra for this. Can we... Put, I even went up to the got people up in the booth and the refs and said, can we delay this a little bit because I need some more time with my kids. And then that's where kind of the origin came from. A question for all of you on it. So Jonathan comes into the locker room and, and go back to when you're in the locker room and he starts giving the talk. The motivation is probably there to go out and play. But tell me this, like what did you guys get out of the talk? Not only just for that game, but just moving on in life that kind of spoke to you that you implement in your lives today. Someone want to start? Let's start. Go with Shane. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, you know, I don't like, like John said, I, I played for him. Uh, and I want to emphasize for him uh, for a long time, since I was seven moving into that game, it was just kind of, that was towards the end of the season that year. And it was kind of a culmination of everything that had happened. Um, and I mean, after that high school football for me gets a little fuzzy, but you know, being a coach has a lot to do with pulling the best out of your players. And I think that John specifically kind of specialized in that. And he took maybe uh harder to coach players like myself 
and kind of molded them and and made them excited to play for him and do what he wanted to do as opposed to everyone operating as an individual unit. And I think a lot of people don't know about the group in that video, but we were actually the first Mighty Might team in Almaden, year 2000. A lot of us were six, seven years old, still on the team. We played through high school together 10, 11 years. And uh, I think a lot of that cohesion really, really came to life in that video. It wasn't just about that individual day. It was it was a, kind of a, a lifetime up to that point of events coming together and just making the day that much more meaningful. So I'll go, you can go next, Vanny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So I'll never forget because, like, my freshman year, um, you know, getting into Leland and whatnot, I had this one coach, and he was, you know, he was fun to play with. But then my sophomore year, finding out that John Flowers is going to coach this team that pretty much like everyone from uh, Pop Warner is now at Leland, and we all love Coach Flowers. So knowing that he's about to coach this team, we just be- got, got beyond stoked, knowing that we're going to kill it this year. <laughs> we are <laughs> just like – the camaraderie and like everyone just like wait coach flowers was getting the, the the coaching spot we just knew we were just gonna get in there just like there's people who enjoy football and there's people who like love playing it and like our whole team loved playing it so just knowing that we had coach on our side bringing us into like this upcoming season was a dream come true what about you matt <laughs> Well, I didn't have much of a as much of a storied, you know, background with you as these other fine young men did. Um, but I, I didn't start playing football until I was in high school, um, and didn't really know a whole lot about it. But you, know, you came in and, and taught us, I would say, more about life than we did about football. At, at the end of the day, um, I remember you even during a homecoming practice during homecoming week, you just stopped practice for like a half an hour, and we just sat in the bleachers and you just talked to us about respect and, and that kind of stuff and treating these young ladies as respect as we were going out to the dance because that's all we had to offer as sophomores in high school. Um, and that uh, kind of led up to that speech a couple you know, a couple weeks later. And when you're in it, you know, looking back, it was a lot of fun to be a part of that speech and be in it and the energy that we had in that room. And we went out and did and took care of business after that. But then looking back now, after I've watched it several times when, you know, I've used it as motivation for anything and everything that I do, even as a, as a coach, because I went and coached back at Leland again for a couple of years at the JV and the varsity level. And I actually took some stuff from what you taught us, um, you know, in that speech with motivation, uh, some of the things you did as a coach, the speech that you gave for us via homecoming, I basically took that verbatim and redid that to the kids at their team dinners, um, that they did when I was a coach. So I took a lot from that and that speech as well um, and used that for motivation and coaching. I've used it for motivation uh, in life uh, as general um, and gone back and looked at it. Um, I showed it to my wife a couple weeks ago when we started looking at doing this and she was like, well, how much energy and how awesome it was to be a part of that. And it really was, it was a life-changing moment for, you know, a young man to be in that position and especially to have such a good mentor such as you and to work with such these great kids um, at the time, Vinny, Shane, everyone else that we had on the team. 
And it's been a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Um, and honestly, that sophomore year was my most memorable year playing football. And it beat any of the other years, no matter how far we went, CCS or games or championships or anything like that. That sophomore year was, was hands down the one that is, will always be remembered for sure. Hey, Shane, I want, I want to get into something that you mentioned. You said that you weren't the most coachable. You were difficult to coach, right? And uh, you said Jonathan helped you with that. And I coach, and you get some athletes out there that are not very coachable, right? They have all the answers. They don't want to listen, right? They have a hard time taking maybe constructive criticism. Tell me this. What would you tell, like, young people today of what you kind of were like and what you would tell them maybe things they could do to be more coachable and what did Jonathan do to help you become more coachable? Well, I think it's that's a I mean, I could get it. Well, I could go on and on about this. But what it really boils down to is just respect. And I think taking kids, especially in that high school age, you got a coach out there that you don't really know. You don't know where he's been. You don't know what he's done. You don't know what his track record is. Why the hell am I going to listen to this guy? What does this guy know that I don't know? And that's kind of the stance that I'll say that I took with uh, some of the other coaches in the organization, especially just coming from the background that I come from, the family that I come from. I had an uncle that played in the NFL. Uh, these guys know my dad. Uh, constructive criticism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or just, uh, just intense uh, upbringing, especially surrounding sports and it was just a pursuit of excellence in everything that we did. And I think that I sensed and I knew that that's what John was about as well. And uh, he just commanded respect and not in a overbearing way, uh, but in a way where you wanted to do well for him, not for yourself. You wanted to play at a certain level and have a certain knowledge and understanding of the game because you knew it's what he was expecting of you. And when you did something good, it made you feel accomplished. And like it was like, you know, when your dad says he's proud of you, that's kind of what it was like on the field. You go make 10 tackles and it's like, well, that's because I know how to read the guard's feet. You know, I'm not looking in the backfield. I'm looking at the line and I'm shooting the gaps accordingly, you know, and it's just stuff like that that doesn't really get taught at that level that we were taught and. I think it, it created a level of, uh, of respect and willingness to go the extra mile uh, as opposed to some of the other coaches that I played for in high school. Hey, Vinny, you mentioned love. And I think like coaches, we always talk about like we'd love to have athletes run through a wall for us, right? Mm -hmm. and, and getting like where you really love and care for your coach. When you say that, like what did Jonathan do to get you to so much love him as a coach? And what would you tell, like, recommend other coaches they can do to build that relationship with their athletes to get them to where they love their coach and want to run through a wall for them? No, yeah, absolutely. Because, like, because coach, like, he shows you that the game is a lot more than what it is. And he doesn't just make you become better as just an individual, but just knowing that, like, the, you guys can become better as a team, which is, like, the best part. And, and, it's he just pushes like puts you in a different mindset of what he has to like make it make make you feel like what it really is and uh it's just he puts you in, in a mindset that especially at a young age at like a what 14 15 year old kid 
and building that like trust all the way up to that like that point like just knowing that I have coach in my, like in my corner like we could do anything yeah, and my question is too is like so how did like what were the things that Jonathan did consistently that helped you feel like you could trust him that his like what were, like how did you know like that feeling of trust like what did he do on a day in day out oh my basis God. that made you all feel like <laughs> man this guy I'd run through because I think it's important for, for players to recognize, like, hey, this is how you define a coach that cares about you as a person as opposed to not just a player. So what were some of the things, like, you would recommend other coaches to do that Jonathan did that showed you, hey, man, I'm here for you. I care more about you than more than just a player, but more so as a person. Coach is one coach that is different than any other person, any other coach that's coached me. So he would, like – Let's see here. Like, so he will make you – geez, I can get into so much, Coach, about, like, how the practice went and just not just the games, but this guy can give – geez, yeah, obviously one hell of a, you know, game speech talk. But, like, that, like that's not just, like, the most, like, intense game speech talk he's given us. He's given so many other, you know, game speech talks that just, like, just makes us – of course, you don't want to run through a wall. So, but – uh like he like like he made sure that a we're going to be the most conditioned team out there hands down and the type of condition that he made us do was just absolutely ridiculous like it was all just military type stuff as and we're 14 15 year old kids just going <laughs> running around circles around like the whole field with our helmets above, above our heads as like punishment and it felt like you know like back at like remember the titans type movie like just like you're just like we're gonna do up downs until blue ain't no longer tired or thirsty and <laughs> it's just all that quite stuff that's just like like where's this guy coming up with all this stuff <laughs> so we're just like out there just but having a blast but he's doing things that we've never really seen before so is he doing it in a way Vinny, that was more demanding and not demeaning and that, no, yeah, and that was... i'll tell you it was more of like he would make you feel like He's got to make he, – he, he, like, proves to you that that you're not just an individual on this team. Like, we're a team. And you got to – and he put, put, makes you realize that immediately. Like, if he's, like, like bad-mouthing, bad like, you on – like, in at a certain time, stop the whole practice. You'd be like, guys, and this is a time when you don't want to hear helmets off because that means your helmets are going above your head and you're running around the field. <laughs> So all of us, except the person who is, was talking back at him, is now in his face, looking up, scared as hell. And everyone else is running around. He's like, is this what you want to do to your team? Do you want to look at every, every – you just do this to every single person on your team. How do you feel? Because you're sitting here, you're catching breath, and they're busting their ass for you right now. So – and just be like, he's like, do you want your team to stop? You want, he's like, like, it's not just all about you. It's about them. So he, he put like puts in your head right then and there. And it makes you realize, just have the realization of just like, it, like, it really isn't about me. It's about everyone. So he's like, boom, I got it, coach. I'm, I'm good now. And then it's, just, it's like little things like that. You know, Matt, I know you had, Matt had something you want to say, Matt? Yeah, good, Matt. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I took a lot and I emulated you a lot as far as when I was coaching uh, at the high school level for, for Leland, same school. 
Um, and I think the biggest thing was is being held accountable and, and the level of respect. Um, I knew that, you know, I maybe didn't have as many issues and screw up as much as Vinny or Shane did because they were a lot older <laughs> than I was. Um, but, you know, we, we all knew that we all held the same standard um, no matter what. And if someone screwed up, they were, they were paying for it and the team was paying for it. Um, but we also knew, and I think there's kind of a, a fine balance between a, a good coach. You want to be able to respect them, but you also need to have a little bit of fear to, to know that, you know, hey, I, I need to do what I need to do. Or I'm going to be in trouble. Um, and I, I did that a lot. Um, and that buy-in and that respect level. I mean, when I was coaching, you know, I got it to the point where kids were asking, hey, we're doing, a, we're doing up down today. Can we not stop at like 60 or 70? Can we make it all the way to 100? Um, and I would do up downs with them. I would do the conditioning with them and try to push myself as a coach to be able to run and keep up with the kids. That way it gave them something to shoot for someone to beat and know that it wasn't just me standing there on the sidelines, blowing the whistle when they're running back and forth. I was doing the hundred yard sprints with them. I was doing, you know, the up downs with them until we got to a hundred doing the pushups down in the dirt. So I, that level of respect and that level of buy-in from a coach is extremely important um, because you can, you can coach, and give people the techniques and the skills. But once you get that buy-in and that level of respect that mutually between the coaches and the players, that's when your team is really going to come together as a cohesive unit and really, really go to battle for you, really no matter what's happening. So that was that was really what I took from it. I know Jonathan's got some, but I wanted to mention on what you said there, Matt, you talked about standards. And I hear Coach K, he talks about it. We don't have rules. We have standards. And standards that we live by and we believe in. My question for all three of you is this. Like, what are standards for you of being a champion in life? Like, what are some of the things that you feel like the standards are maybe taught by Jonathan that you've learned that you carry on a life that are standards you believe that helps you become a champion in life right now? I would go with Shane on first on this one because I know he's got something to say about that. <laughs> um, I, there's you, you learn so much. When we were playing for John in high school, it's kind of you're at that brink where you it's the last time in your life where, you know, w when you're at practice, all you're caring about is football. When you get beyond that, you're at work, but you're thinking about your family, your kids, you know, what's going on at home. And I think that, you know, it was just such a it was really the last time in our life where us as a cohesive unit. And I keep talking about us because like I said, not to exclude Matt or anything. I mean, he was as much on the team as anyone else, but there was a group of us who had kind of started as really little kids. I mean, we were like six, seven years old and now we're in high school and we are kind of coming together as a unit and learning how to work. <sighs> and it was just really a looking back on it. It was one of those moments where, you, you didn't for the whole season, you didn't really know what it was until you were beyond and looking back, you know, how special of a unit it was and how meaningful it would be uh, to your life moving forward. Um, and I just, you know, I can't emphasize that enough where there's really a it sounds silly to say it, but high school football is I think it's so cherished in this country because it's really the last time as a young man where you can focus 100% of your time and effort on something that you love and not have a million other things that you're worrying about at the same time. I don't know if that makes sense, but it totally makes sense. What about you, Vinny? <laughs> so coach pretty much 
he he showed us like, look, you can't be thinking like, yeah, we're, we, we're going to win this whole season, hands down. We need to take it one week at a time, one day at a time. That's how we're going to be successful. That's how we're going to do all this. That's what we're going to get out of every single day. We're going to take it not just then one day at a time. We're now we're going to take it one play at a time. And then whether that came down to, you know, special teams, came down to, you know, offense and defense, we're gonna, it, it, it all just comes down to that. But, you know, just being successful, it just it, it was it comes down to don't look at like a long term goal. We're going to focus on the small goals and just take it one step at a time. What about you, Matt? Well, there's something that I like, um, you know, to say, you know, manifesting your dreams requires resiliency. Um, so that's one thing that I learned, you know, from football and from that speech and from everything else was, you know, in football that pertains to life is you're going to hit things and things are going to hit you and, and it's going to be, you know, crazy and you're going to get set back and whatnot, but, you know, to keep pushing forward. And that was our, you know, that was our thing. Like everyone said, you know, play at a time, one snap at a time, one game at a time, one week at a time. Um, and it's good to have goals and it's good to have dreams and whatnot, you know, that are that are far out. Uh, but you also have to have those short term goals. And when it comes to life, having those standards of where you want to be and what you want to do is extremely important. And we set our goals, we set our standards and we did everything we could to uphold them. And, you know, that's one thing that you know I've taken as well. I mean, I was I was the youngest person in my hiring class at United Airlines and that that it just doesn't happen at the age that, that I'm at. Um, so I, just taking that, you know, stance and holding those standards and keeping yourself held at a high level, um, and having other people that are willing to, you know, hold you to that same standard as well and, and back you up, I think is extremely important, you know, obviously in football, but more so in life in general. So I want to touch on something when she said, Jimmy, you talked to Shane about a little bit about players that are difficult to coach. It wasn't that like some of these, some of the kids were different because they just had different personality, had different upbringing. But we had talked about this, Jimmy and Jason, on other podcasts about getting to know the kids' families. What made Shane and Vinny and Matt easy to coach was I knew their families. I knew Matt's mom. And like we talked all the time. I came over for dinner. Um, Shane's dad and I and, and Jimmy's dad and I, we went out for beers and drinking. We had we were we were friends first, and I was happy to be coaching their kids. And so I knew that their personalities and what kind of household they were. I knew what buttons I could push and what things I could say and what, I, what wouldn't work with them. Cause I'm like, okay, this is going to work with Shane. Cause his dad is 10 times more threatening about this than me and I am. This is going to work with Vinny because this is how he feels or something. But the one thing I made sure they all understood. And I, I will emphasize to coaches, you have to find that one thing. I don't care what you call it, how it is, where if they cross the line, this is the thing they don't ever want to have to do ever again. So the first day of practice, like Vinny said, I went off and went military. And I said, we're going until somebody quits. We're going until someone throws up or someone doesn't want to do this anymore. So I know exactly how far I can push you. And then I never did it again. Never did it again after that, except as, remember that first day? If you take away from our team time, you're, you're going to do, we're having Coach Flowers' fun factories. So you're not, you're going to take away our fun. I'm going to have some fun. And the, and the kids dreaded that. If I said fun factory time, it was okay. over. And Vinny knew more than anybody. Matt was pretty good. If you saw me show up to practice with sunglasses on and I was quiet, you knew I was mad. You knew something happened in school. The athletic director, a parent, I was pissed off. I wasn't coming in talking and music playing in the car. I had dark sunglasses on. I didn't want to talk to him. And they go, hey, Coach Fly, just go, don't talk to me. And I, and it was, I was pissed. And they were, you could just see everybody kind of get like, like, it was like animals before an earthquake. 
Everybody got all scared. People start cleaning stuff up. Everybody started getting all straight and stuff. I could see Shane and Vinny and the captains talking to people. I like, shut the hell up. Cat coach is pissed. I don't know what it is. I'm what we did. Somebody put a confess quick and they didn't care. So that standard was what I said. It was like, there's going to be accountability. And if you don't, some, it, I'm going to keep going until you, until you get it. So, well, and I think that goes back to Jonathan and Matt, you've coached is what I see. The problem is a lot of coaches, they don't come in with standards from the beginning. They're loosey goosey. They let a lot of things slide. And then the season starts going and they're not, the team's not performing well. Right. And there's pressure. And then all of a sudden they try to what reel it in and they try to act tough and whatever. And they lost them. They, they, they lost them there. It's like starting from the beginning, demanding excellence. These are our standards. Here's what we stand by. Here's accountability in a good way, not a demeaning way, demanding way and staying with it. And you can loosen up as you go. But I see people start loose and try to tighten it up later. Yeah, Have you seen that, Matt? And, and as a coach, is that what you feel like starting that way is beneficial? Yeah, I don't. Um, I definitely did not start that way um, because I knew that uh, at the same school uh, with the same you know kids from the same neighborhood. I knew that that wasn't going to work because Leland, pretty affluent area. These kids really never had to work for anything a day in their life. I mean, they, you get a few here and there that, that have been through it. Um, but most of the kids, I mean, their parents are giving them their Mercedes and whatnot to drive to school. So, I mean, it's not like a lot of these kids have ever had to work for anything in their life until this point. So coming in soft is it never worked and it won't work at Leland. It may work at other schools and whatnot, but especially as a football coach, I don't think it really ever works. And that's how I ran my program um, all the way. G- JV varsity didn't matter uh, what I was coaching, what level. Um, but we I came in very first day one, we set that standard and I, it was kind of a lot of the same thing. We are going to be the most well-conditioned team. We're not the biggest, we're not the strongest, but we will outlast people. And that's what, that's what did. And that's what got that buy-in is explaining, well, this is why we're conditioning and this is why you're going to feel tired. And that's why you're going to be exhausted after practice because we're going to work hard. But I always came in with that, that same level of, you know, intensity from day one. Um, and that's how I ran my programs as a, as a coach. And it worked really well. And, you know, as a, as a football official, we talk about dead ball officiating and catching all the stuff after the play. Um, and I did that a lot as a coach um, to use kind of the same terminology as the kids that were sitting in the back, not paying attention. I would kind of walk around and disappear and come back behind them. And they would grab them for doing something stupid and be like, God, start running. And it was like the team captains or the kids that were always really good athletes. And they thought they didn't have to pay attention to the plays that were getting installed and whatnot. They were running and it didn't matter who you were. Standards were the same for everybody. Um, and I kind of got the mentality and everyone was like, oh, Coach Herbert sees everything. I'm like, well, yes. Yeah, everyone's paying attention. Everyone's getting held to the same standard. If you're in the back messing around, you're running. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter who your mom is, where your dad is, where you came from, how good of a player you are, all state, all CCS. doesn't matter. Start running because um, you're not paying attention. And coming in with that level and that intensity – also garners it demands the respect in the very beginning as a coach. And then you kind of work into earning the respect as the season and uh, as your training goes on with these young men. And that's extremely important. And one question I want to get into is, so it's been what about a little bit over 10 years ago, about 10, 12 years ago, since that speech per se, what, and I know there's probably a lot of things that you all still carry with you, but from then on, what is one thing that still a decade later has stuck with you either because you played for Coach Flowers or because of that I'm a champion speech or some of the other pregame talks? What's the one thing that has still like, you know, that this has, this has stayed with me from then on and it will continue to stay with me for as long as I live. I got to hear Shane's answer on this one. It's work, it's work ethic for sure. And uh, I like, like these guys have talked about 
I mean, we were not, we weren't the biggest, we weren't the strongest, but losing was never like when we went into a game, it, I, we never, it was never, we might lose the game. Like we go into the game, we expect to win. We expect to execute the play calls. We expect our teammates to operate at, a, at the same level that we're operating at. And I think moving forward after that, I mean, it's all about work ethic and it's all about, you're going to get out what you put in. And I think that, like I said, the speech in that game, a lot of YouTube hits, very special, but that was really the culmination of years and that season of, of work. And that was really the first time. And we had all really put in work like that. And like coach flowers had said, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot. I mean, especially for kids that age, I could tell you, we were out on the field and no no one else was practicing like that. And it really showed when we showed up for, for the game day on Friday. What about you, Vinny? Man, what I took away is that whatever you put your mind to, you can accomplish anything. Like he you coach, you could put something in us that we never knew that we had. And just know, knowing that, you know, what you know that uh you know pretty much putting what um uh making a different mindset can make you look at things a little bit different and you can really accomplish anything so it was that that's pretty much what I, what I took at, took from it what about you Matt I would say the biggest thing that I took, you know, from that speech and that season, you know, was love and brotherhood. I mean, I haven't seen Vinny, I don't think since high school, right? I saw yeah. Shane a couple of years ago when we were just in passing in the mall or something like that. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd pick up with these guys in a heartbeat. We'd see each other, you know, tomorrow and as if nothing ever happened. Um, you know, the love and the brotherhood that we had on that group and that unit um, was just absolutely amazing. Um, and it really it bonded us. And that's really what I took from that was, you know, just show, you know, how important that bond is and to be able to keep that bond with these guys that we, we had to form that bond in order to be as successful as we were. And that's what really helped us. And they talk about the bonds, you know, Coach Flowers, you've experienced it in the military. I mean, there's guys that you put your life down for. And I, I did a little bit when I was doing ROTC in that program in college. I mean, I'm still really good friends with that. But, you know, those things in those that battlefield, whether it's an actual battlefield or a football field, really bonds you with the people and your brothers that you're working with towards that goal, you know, whether it's defeating an enemy on the field or in your battlefield or football field, um, you know, that bond and that love and that brotherhood that we all share, I think was, was really what I took away from that the most. Hey Shane, I, I want to dive into something you mentioned earlier. You said, everyone knows my dad. My dad was, was pretty <laughs> intense, right? Um, there's been studies and research that shows that, you know, 70% of kids are quitting particular sports by the age of 13. And say they say the worst experience they've had in sports is car ride home with dad. And I'm not saying your dad was that. But my question for you is, like, what do you feel like your dad did well? And what are things that you've learned that maybe you do differently with your children now, raising your children in sports to make sure it's a, an empowering experience for them? Well, here's – my dad was, a first off, great dad. And I yeah. think that he is a dying breed in that – He's very hard on me and he harped on me, but he wanted me to get it right. And he knew that I could do it. And I think as opposed to 
I, I think a lot of parents these days steer their kids towards what's comfortable. Yeah. You know, little Johnny's not doing too good at this or little Johnny doesn't like to get hit. And, you know, maybe it would be good for little Johnny to take a couple hits. And I think, you know, that's really where my dad excelled was he put me in uncomfortable situations repetitively and forced me to be comfortable. And everyone knows in life, you do the most growth when you get out of your comfort zone. And I think my dad put me in a position to be out of my comfort zone from a young age and often. Um, And he, much like John, I wanted to do good for my dad. If my dad was in the stands and I missed the tackle, I didn't even want to look at him after the game, you know, because I I just, it wasn't because what he was going to say on the car at home, it was because, you know, I felt like I didn't do my job. And I think that that's something that we as a society have lost. And I think that I would personally like to see it come back. And I have little kids now and, you know, quitting is if you don't like to play a sport, that is what it is. But you're not going to quit because it's hard. And I think that in today's day and age, we have a lot of people quitting things because they're hard. And that's just not how I was brought up. Well, I will tell you this, Shane. I know your dad, and I want to emphasize this. I love, I love Dion. Me and me and Dion clicked very, very well. We're very similar from the similar cloth. And I knew I could. When Dion was on my coaching staff, I could use him kind of as you know, go. He can kind of start it off getting pissed or mad before it got to me. Like he he was kind of like that brace before because he knew I was already pissed, so he would intercept the pissedness to before it got to me. And I, all three of their of their families were great. I mean, they were some of the cornerstones of the families that were there. Love love Matt's mom, and Matt's mom was not was like, hey, let me trust you. She was not a wall a wallflower wilting lily. That woman, if she was not happy with something I did on the coaching or the team, she let me know, and in no uncertain terms, like, hey, this isn't looking good. Why are we doing this? And I had to like have football conversations with his mother, like explain that stuff. She's the reason why I adopted letting parents come to like film sessions or let them sit on silent practice so they could see why I was doing what I was doing. So when the game happened, they weren't going, what's going on? Well, Vinny has a bad hamstring. That's why I'm not running in that way. Or, you know, you know, Matt is on the, on the side of the line. We just getting killed because we have our second string lineman next to Matt. So I had to make adjustments. So they understood all that stuff. So Jonathan, when you say that, cause a lot of coaches, uh, they they more want to separate from the parents. They don't want the parents like around involved. Yep. So when you have them come to the practices, you have them, you know, open the film sessions where there's certain maybe rules that you had though, like, hey, listen, if you have something to say or you don't like something, this is the way that you need to go about communicating it to me. Was there certain things that you had expectations set with them? Yeah, they my thing was like the moment you talk to a player or you talk to a coach during practice, you're done. I'm, I'm giving you courtesy and inviting you to our world so you have some kind of idea and knowledge. And it was so effective sometimes. There were times, like Shane said, someone would, she would do something wrong or Matt or Jenny. I didn't have to worry about their parents. I could hear them yelling, what are you doing? Coach went over this 15 times in practice. So I had a backup coach from the stands. So I didn't have to worry about that nonsense. It was just – and like Matt said, I'm going to just call it out. Leland in that Almaden Valley is a very fluent area, and it's not a lot of brothers out there. So I had to make sure I handled that in a way – that they understood what I was doing. I wasn't just some guy coming in screaming and yelling because I played ball. I knew what I was doing and I understood how to, how to communicate to these kids and talk to them. I mean, these kids are family. I mean, Shane and Vinny remember, I'm not sure about Matt, but they remember Jordan doing up downs with them. My little daughter sitting there, they remember when Jordan was a baby 
You know, Vinny met Jordan at my son's celebration of life. Jordan's taller than Vinny. Jordan's like five, five eleven now. Looks like a grown woman. Thanks, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and one of the guys on the her college in her college school, like the one of the things on the basketball team, likes her. Whatever. That's another conversation. Um, but they, I knew I had like if anything happened to Jordan or anything happened to one of my kids, I had they had brothers. Those that team was family and. David played with Vinny and um, Shane since they were six or seven years old. And just like with, like you said, the car ride home, David got those. He got like, imagine you're, you're the head coach's son in the car going home. He got those too. It was a little different sometimes, but it was, he got, ooh, I, there were times I, when he had an attitude or did something stupid or was joking around, uh, he didn't have, he didn't get quarter from me. It was actually a little bit worse. I look back on it now and it's probably things I probably shouldn't have said the way I said it, but I still think I agree with Shane. I think we need more of that stuff because I just see kids nowadays, the littlest thing happens and it's, I can't handle it. It's horrible, uh, whatever. And I'm like, I'm not saying people don't have problems, but it's like, come on, bro. It's like talent won't carry a quitter. It just won't. And I just, I can't buy into that. I would, I won't, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that. Well, I want to, I want to say that too. It's like, and I had, and I think I might've mentioned it to Jason. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I had a son that he wanted to play soccer recently and he's a third grader. And it wasn't exactly what he expected. And after the first session, he wanted to quit. And there's like eight sessions. We're like, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You're going to go back the next week. And you're going back the next week. And you're going back to finish up to eight. Now, if you don't want to play soccer after that, that's fine. But you're going to finish up, you know, because like you said, so many I see kids that get into something like I'm not having fun. I don't want to do it. And they committed to do it. And then the parents allow them to, to quit and not finish it up. And I think like you're talking about Shane, you guys is like, you have to get these kids to understand you committed to something, finish it up good or bad. Right. And making sure you're getting used to being resilient and having that kind of grit attitude toward life and being able to get through stuff when it is challenging. So I'm going to ask you guys a question. I'm going to put you on the spot and and I'm not with you around you. And so there's no, no, no residual damage. You know, I love you guys, but if you had to pick one thing you think like, Okay, man, coach didn't handle this one right. I'm, we're all pissed. We're all mad, or something like that. There's, I'm sure I, I kind of got an idea what that issue was. But if there was one time I kind of like either lost it or had a bad moment, and you guys were like, "What the hell is wrong with this man?" Like, like it was different. Nothing. You were absolutely perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard Should to say. Coffee you drinking, Matt? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, I think as a player being in it, I don't, you know, there's so many things going on and you're, you know, you got so many things, you worry about the game, you worry about the coaches, the coaching staff, other things, you know, practice and whatnot. I don't really think looking back, there's nothing that pinpoints it for me, you know, specifically in, in terms of, you know, what I experienced that, you know, I ever looked back on and thought, well, that was, you know, that was not cool or that was, you know, stupid. I can't believe you got mad at us for that, you know. I, I, there's nothing really that comes to mind that's, that's glaring, at least for me personally, that, you know, I would have, you know, seen different or looked different, you know, wish had happened differently. What about you, Shane? Uh, you know what, to be honest with you, and, and this is a, that was so long ago in terms of specific things that were done wrong. <laughs> I, I couldn't, I couldn't recall one. I couldn't recall one, you know, I, 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 shit. It was, it was a very memorable season. And like I said, when I think of high school football, that's definitely what I think about. I don't think about anything that happened after that. Uh, I think a good coach can make or break 
you know, an experience. And uh, I think after that, everyone was kind of operating in, in their own silos and it became much more political, which unfortunately I think that happens in a lot of different high schools, but you know, all I can say is when I think about high school football, that tends to be what I think about, not anything yeah. else. So, what about you, Vinny? <laughs> huh. So, I honestly think that this one would be it's a negative, but you made it into a positive afterwards, and I was realizing it is that when we started double days, no. our first practice is two hours of just conditioning. Like, no plays called whatsoever. Just straight running. And then the second practice is just practice. Don't have to worry about running afterwards. Don't have to worry about anything else. Just, we're going to do our plays. We're going to get out. But every single first practice, we're everyone's just like, damn it. <laughs> but after the week, though, we, you end up realizing we're in the best shape of our lives. We're going to the season, like, plus sh- many of us, we're playing both ways. And it's so we had to be very conditioned and we were and he made sure of that. So it did suck going through that because we were just like, dude, why is our first practice? We're just running. (laughs) That's it. But end up being, you know, of course, you know, a positive from the negative. Yeah. So Shane had to drop off for people who are watching and stuff like that. So thank you, Shane, for coming, man. Love you, man. You're like a son to me, too. Um, so I'm going to let Jason and Jimmy take another question, but I, one more thing I wanted to add to this whole thing was, um, Vinny's right. I always believed in like, like that was always this, I can confess this now, guys. It was just, it was just to get you guys so scared of conditioning that you listened for the first rest of double days. It was, it, it had nothing to do. There was no magical thing. It was like, I'm, I'm going to terrorize these kids from in conditioning. Go, do you ever want to see this again? Well, no, now I can coach you. It was that easy. It was that simple. It was just that. So if anybody's listening, all the players I've ever coached and stuff, yeah, it was a plan. It was completely like that. It was completely a con job just to get you guys to listen. Right, ready. Hey, Jonathan, I know Jason's going to jump in on something, but if you really wanted to know something you did wrong back then, you need to call Matt's mom. She would be very honest with you. Oh, you get Matt's mom on there. She's going to let you know. So that's what we need to do. For sure. I think the only time I ever got frustrated, it was the year before I got the head coach job. And I was in this, I was a defensive coordinator. And it was just, I don't know what his name was. And Vinny maybe right here. He was a redheaded kid. And he, his mom came to practice and begged me to put him back on the team because he got caught smoking weed on the bus. Like I caught him smoking weed on the bus. And um, I don't know what this kid's name, but he had a really tough, and I went to his house, I talked to his family, I knew he had a really tough thing. His older brother was huge, like just huge kid, and he could, like, could have been double lineman, but he was like false ass and really speedy and shifty like Vinny was. Tough kid. And his mom came to, came to practice, took me out of the team room, kids are walking by, she's crying and pleading with me, like, this is the only thing keeping him out of trouble, he loves you, we please get on the thing, I know he made a mistake. I, and you guys don't notice, I had to go to the administration. I had to go down the school board. I had to sign all this stuff to say, I will take responsibility for this kid and all this kind of shit. It was, it was, it was, it was a tough day, but that was, he did, remember he did fun factories for a whole week to get back on team. And he was running around with bags. He was cleaning up everything. He had to clean up the locker room by himself. He just kept going. And I was like, man, I thought he was going to quit. I thought, man, he's not going to make it two days. He went through the whole week. And I said, okay, dude. And I gave, I, man, in my word, you're back on the team. And he actually had a pretty good season. He was a good kid. That's like a Coach Carter scene, man. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. You, you don't seem to understand something, man. You can watch Remember the Titans and Coach Carter. I was that before those fools came out. I was. They, I didn't even see those movies yet. Keep in mind, I was those guys. Man. Yeah. 
Samuel Jackson has nothing on me, dog. <laughs> well, you know, uh, like as they were talking about things he did wrong, but uh, and they really couldn't come up with something. It's always the, the always phrase of like they'll remember players remember how you made them feel more so than what you said. And yeah, example of like these guys, Jonathan of like all I hear is, man, I will never forget this because it was a great experience. And so I think as coaches, it's something to keep in mind. Like always remember what you're doing and how you're going to make your kids feel. And it, it, might, it might feel painful at the time, but as long as it comes back, like they remember it as like that helped make me who the person I was today. So with Vinny and Matt, my question is to you, if you guys were starting to coach tomorrow, what would be the first thing you would prioritize that coach flowers taught you? What'd be the first thing you would go over? Would it be, Fun factor, like what would, what would be like? This is the number one thing I'm doing if practice starts tomorrow with with a new team. Build the trust would be the first. Sorry, Matt. Looks like you were about to go. <laughs> no, 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 no problem. Um, I mean, I'm I'm in a little different spots because I did coach, you know, and I I was you know in in that field for a little bit, but I think you know demanding that respect. Uh, right out the gate is, is extremely important. However you do that, there's different ways you can do that. You can start running people. You can, you know, call people out when they're doing things wrong. And there's so many different ways to demand that level of respect. But I think coming in with that, um, you really earn that respect. And like I said before, you, you work, you demand it and then you earn it, you know, as the weeks and the, and the, and the season goes on. Um, and I think that, you know, that, that mutual level of respect and coming in with that is extremely important. I still have guys that, you know, I coached at Leland um, that I see as a football official at the college level. And they're like, oh, hey, Coach Herbert. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? We're like in the middle of a play. And I'm like, guys, I got to concentrate. I got to officiate the game here. Um, but I still I, guys come up to me during the games, after the games. I mean, just, we're still friends. You still see each other. We talk. Hey, I can't wait for you to referee one of our games or something like that. So, I mean, I still see them and still have – we still have that level of respect. We talk. We're respectful of each other. And I've actually I've had kids come up to me and say, hey, that speech that you gave us, you know, about respect during our homecoming speech or that, that speech that you gave us, you know, during this time or that, you know, Coach Herbert's word of the week, you know, that we strived for was something that I did as well. And, and you know, we – I remember that and I remember the talk about that word and everything like that. So having that, you know, I demanded respect in the beginning and then I earned it through these with these kids throughout the season um and i think that is the biggest thing for, you know for any coach going forward is you you have time to earn that respect but you, you you need to demand it in the very beginning you demand it and you work your butt off as a coach super super hard to be able to earn that respect with your players and you will leave with an extremely successful team um, in that manner then you said build trust so if somebody's listening like okay Vinny, that's great what are three actions you would take to build trust with your athletes build trust well see what coach always did like with with us he always pulled us off individually side by side he's like look i know like he, he doesn't talk to you as a player he talks to you as a person like that's why i always you know see coach like still to this day he's like another dad to me not just that but he's one of my best friends so he just talks to you as just like one of your best friends on on the field and and he he just knows how to get through you so what that you know but that's definitely one thing um and then what was the rest of your question you said just like that would be one action like pulling pulling somebody aside yeah. by themselves and having a conversation they're, they're a person they're not just an athlete that's one what are some other actions like another one or two actions you would take to build that trust with your athletes well building that trust well 
one thing I, I I always know that what coach you know showed to us is just like that like we're a family, you know like so no matter what you ain't gonna do anything to to hurt your family and he put that in your mind one hundred percent. So um uh and probably you know the last is man it's, I'm trying to think of a third one right now Matt Matt what do you think? Well I think um you know holding everyone accountable. You know, we talked about that in building trust. Um, but you, you have them invest in themselves and you have the players, you know, get to the point where they look at you during a game. And I had players do this with me and they'd come off and they'd be like, hey, coach, I totally messed that block up. Like you don't need to yell at them. You don't need to scream from the sideline. Hey, it's your fault. I mean, they would come in and you just treat them as a young man. I mean, as, as freshmen and sophomores in high school, we were not used to having the responsibility and being treated like young men. And Coach Flowers said that. He said, we are going to treat you like young men. My job is to raise you to be good young men, not necessarily good football players. We had some that were happened to be both, like Vinny and Shane. Um, but uh, there are other guys that they, they just needed the maturity. But being able to invest in them and get that trust, you know, that they would be able to do the right thing and that they would be able to, you know, do what was needed on the football field was extremely important. So you guys, have, like I said, guys come off, like, hey, I totally messed up on that. I need to do this better. And they were to the point where they were coaching themselves and you would just have to look at them, coach Flowers, and I did the same thing. I'm like, yeah, you're correct. Let's fix it on the next one. And then you go. And that's the most powerful thing is any coach can yell, any coach can scream, any coach can get in the kid's face. But being able to have that kid come off the sideline that, hey, coach, I messed this up. I need to get better at this and have them coach themselves and learn that, you know, that you, you, have, you have built that trust and you've been successful at that point. If they can come in and do that with you as a coach. Would you say another way to build that trust and what you kind of described as Jonathan is consistency, like coaches being consistent in who they are and what they do. Sometimes I see coaches are so inconsistent, maybe inconsistent how they show up to practice in the games, how they respond to negative situations, right? When things are good, maybe they're a certain way. When things are bad, now they act differently. So is consistency something that you would see to build that trust in those athletes as well? No, absolutely, yeah. For, you know, of course he, he makes us, you know, realize we're going to be as consistent as possible, or at least try to be. But if you do like like Matt said, you know, if you do slip up and you do have that realization, it's like, yeah, I, coach, I messed up. I know I did. Like, I won't, I won't do it again. So, if, if by having that, you know, put in your mind, it's like, I know I messed up instead of like I didn't think I do anything wrong. Then that that that's the thing of you know being knowing that this person is coachable and you know he knows that he made a mistake and whatnot. Well, I will add something to that, Benny. I mean, I mean, and to what you're asking, Jimmy, <clears throat> of course, consistency is important. But one of the things I thought, what, I don't know if this is what they thought, but I thought the way to build trust with them is always let them know, you know, you're more important than this game. I mean, you just are. I don't care. I mean, we, we I mean, I get heated. Everybody does. You're passionate about what you're doing. But I didn't if we lost 20 to five to nothing, I might be mad that day. But that doesn't change the fact you're right. You're, I'm coming to your house tonight. It doesn't change the fact I, I consider you family. I think the biggest bonding time for us was team dinners. We had a we had a team dinner either Thursday or Friday night, depending on when the game was, and a parent would host it. And we would go there and talk. And at the end of that team dinner, we would have just a conversation. And occasionally I'd have a quiz on plays. Like I would ask key players what this play is, what we call on the scene. And Shane was always good. Shane was amazing at that. He always I put in audibles just for Shane because it was kind of my way of controlling him because he would do stuff 
and just say, oh, I see this and blitz or go, I'm seeing this, I'm dropping the coverage. I'm like, okay, I want you to audible so at least your teammates know what the hell you're going to go do. So, I mean, it was, it was, but a lot of times he audible. I mean, Jimmy, um, Vinny had two interceptions against Gunderson because Shane audibled out of those, out of the play I called. I was like, okay, cool. And when they both worked and I think we couldn't do a lot because it was windy that day. So we had to put in hand signals the next game because I could nobody could hear me. But my point is, is that it was being consistent and letting them like, I know you're going to mess up. I know this is not going to go well, but I'm going to let you do this and see what happens. Cause there were times where I remember Shane and dad and I flipped out cause he, he declined a penalty or something like that. And it made it fourth and short or something. I said, what did you, like, I was pissed. I wanted it third and long. And he didn't, you remember being, I snapped. I was like, if, oh my God, they get a first down, this is on you. This, I was clear. <laughs> and of course, of course, defense stopped him. It was, then we got the ball back, but it was critical. It was a game change. It was, it was, that was the game right there. And so, but I agree with you, Vinny. I mean, with James, with what Vinny is saying, Matt saying, what you said, James, it's about consistency. And I, I was always trying to be that way. I wasn't perfect by any stretch of imagination, despite what Matt thinks. But I was, I was trying to be consistent. Yeah. Well, uh, Vinny, Matt, you know, and Shane, thank you guys for joining us today. It's uh, always great to get some insight on Coach Flowers, the coach, not just the, uh, not just a friend here. So, um, if you guys, like, we always ask our guests this, like. What does it mean? What is your opinion uh, or what is your definition of what it means to be a champion in life? Vinny, we can start with you as we close out today. Just being happy, healthy, it, you know, success, successful is always, you know, up there. You no, know, but, um, uh, you know, just, you know, being happy and uh, just not with your friends, but with your family. And that's pretty much, you know, what it all is, all is for me. So I think you know, being a champion in life um, is going to take on different means and different you know methods for everybody. But I think the biggest thing is having that resiliency. You know, things are going to come up. Things are going to change. We talked about audibles. We talked about running when kids mess up. We talked about all these different things that, you know, the coaches do. But it really builds that resiliency. And that's what really allows you to be a champion, you know, in life. Uh, you know, things are going to come up. I've had things in my life through flying, through training, through everything else that have set me back. Uh, officiating, I've had things that have not gone right to not get graded the correct way, not get a playoff game. I mean, there's so many things in life in every aspect that will try to hold you back and that will kind of give you a gut check. And being resilient and being able to push through to get for your goal, to aim for your goal and continue to push through despite the hard things and the bad things that are happening, I think is really, really important. Uh, if you want to manifest your dreams and you want to really be successful and be a champion in life, having that resiliency um, is, is extremely, extremely important. Yeah. Well, uh, again, Matt, Vinny, thank you all for joining us today on this episode. It's a, a really insightful, great, uh, great content you guys got brought for us today. Um, so thank you all again for showing for showing up today. Hey, thank you thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate you. Of course, coach. Love you, coach. Love, Love you, too. coach. Bye. Well, guys, that was uh that was a great insight, Jonathan, on to see who you were or who you are as a coach. And then you know, these guys are what uh so over twelve years removed from having you as a coach. I mean, so yeah. the fact the way that they still feel about yeah, What's they're all in their 20s. I think they're all like 28, 29 years old, give or take. And most of yeah. them are, most of them, I think, are all fathers now. Um, and they're all either married or engaged and stuff. So, I mean, I've been at some of their weddings and stuff. And it's just, 
it's just you matt said the whole thing about the brotherhood part and i'm like i think that i think people take that part for granted when i hear parents that don't understand sports well it's just a game it's just a game i go it's not it's really not it's a method or a vehicle for you to put instill some values it's kind of what 40 athletes is trying to do with with the business you guys are running is putting instilling these values and character traits and integrity and work ethic and giving them tools that are about that are mental emotional and physical that they can utilize to go through life and i'm every time i run into one of these kids i i live in a community where three of the guys that are police officers i coached them in high school and so i'm always around i'm always running into people and you know they're family to my kids and they've been amazing and I think, like, I know the speech was one thing, but I love that Vinny said that was one of many, many speeches. That just happened to be one that caught on video. And I don't even think it was my best one, to tell you the truth. I, don't, I really don't. It just it, it just had emotional meaning to it at that time. Yeah. Well, uh, fellas, it was a great episode. And I uh, look forward to our next one coming up pretty soon here, the 1st of December. So enjoy your Friday as we roll into a good weekend. Um, enjoy thanksgiving people i mean because like you guys got to take care of that and be with family and junk like that um holidays always a challenging for people if you've ever lost anybody out there like mm -hmm. myself and friends of mine or if there's people that are not close to you because of covid or traveling and things i know a lot of people love people because of covid this year you know be find something to be thankful about because we're still here things are still going well you know there's you know in other words you want to be a champion in life you know be thankful right now and yeah. I'm very thankful for these two guys, Jimmy and Jason. They've become some of my closest friends, like Club Our Brotherhood. These are guys I take a bullet for. I love them to death. And I thank you guys for even giving me this vehicle and this venue so far. It's been extremely helpful. Well, well thank you, Jonathan. for you as well. So, yeah. thank you, Jonathan. All right, guys. You guys have a good weekend. Try to stay out of trouble. <laughs> I don't hey, no problem, man. That. I don't have to give fun factories to Jimmy, man, because, you know, his wife be looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? <laughs> Hey, Jimmy's wife gives out fun factories, man. <laughs> like you and Jonathan together. Oh my god, yeah. Okay. Oh, dude, if someone could have videotaped one of my fun factories, you'd have, you'd have been dying. You'd have been dying because it was just it was up downs, it was slides, it was everything. It was football drills, but it was just conditioning the first two hours of double days every year. They knew they yeah. were coming in. It's awful. At least they knew what to prepare for, right? So. Oh, dude, they were prepared for it. But one thing I I emphasize like just to wrap this up because we lived in Leland. I mean, that's an Almond Valley in Northern California. And there's a lot, you, you get the kids that live there. There's, it's a very isolated area. So it's not like you can recruit or get kids who live in a neighborhood. So you had, you had to deal with what you got with, like, that was it. So I knew when we're never going to be bigger, we're never going to be faster than some of these other areas and other schools like in Oakland or Richmond or out in Oak Grove or, or up in Sherwood area. There's, we're not going to be that with those kids. And we're not going to be, have that kind of power or, or um, talent. So I said, nah, one thing I got to give, we're not going to be, we're not going to be out conditioned. Third quarter hit, you could see it. We were, we, we were, we were fine and they were holding their knees and they were breathing heavy. So we got these guys. That's, there you go. Uh, conditioning always, uh, what's it said? Bleeding practice to sweat in the game, something like that. Yep, exactly. It's like, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Well, guys, uh, thanks again for another good episode and uh, see you the next one. All right, guys. Take it easy. Thanks, guys. Bye.